On today's episode of Trouble with the Snap, Colton and I will be going over the Big Ten Conference with our previews and picks. Then after that, we will also be going over the SEC Conference with our previews and picks. Then we will go to the group of five and mention a few teams who we think will make the most amount of noise this season. Then finally, we will go to week zero, give a little preview of those games, those matchups. And then we will ultimately wrap up the show with once again, our brand new segment called Life Advice. So Colton, let's roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State's Dalen Watts takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! All right, welcome everybody back to Trouble with the Snap. I'm Will, along with my colleague Colton. How you doing, Colton? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, just straight up, how, how's your day been so far? How's class? Man, uh, the new addition to my schedule, the 8 a.m. corporate finance is was a disaster today to be totally honest walked in there and felt pretty out of place i'll be honest um there was one point in the class where i switched off of my notes to check my email for about 10 seconds and i was completely lost and um i was doing a problem and uh, typically with finance you have to first determine what the assets and liabilities are and whatnot so as i was doing that the girl next to me turns to me and says is this the answer that you got and i'm like dude i haven't even like i mean like, i don't even like have a calculator yet so that wasn't good uh, we also have these things called insta polls i don't know if you guys have that at AM. it's kind of just like a they'll just ask like a question or two each class and it's a way to kind of gauge uh, participation rather than having like a sign-in sheet or something and uh it's all participation, but I definitely peeked off the screen next to me. And uh, probably like 30 seconds later, the girl goes, oh, what did you think for this answer? I was, you know, I think it definitely was D. And she goes, oh, wow, that's what I had too. So, uh, but yeah, that class could, so that class could be pretty rough. Um, but then I just had another class at 11, wasn't too bad. And then, you know, just went to the gym, ate some food. So nothing too crazy. How about yourself? Of course. Uh, that's actually kind of funny that you mentioned that about that girl you just you said, you said just turned to you. I had a really similar experience like that today in my math class. Um, you know, we sit down, we're doing notes, kind of going over things, and our professor looks at us and says, all right, for the last last little problem that we're doing here in your notes, I want you to try it yourself. Just, to, of course, see if you can do it and make sure you feel somewhat comfortable. I did not feel comfortable at all. I had zero confidence in this because I had absolutely no idea what was going on. He gave us about maybe a minute or so to do it. After about probably 20 seconds, the dude sitting next to me, same thing as you, looks over to me and says, hey, what did you get for this problem? I'm like, dude, I haven't even picked up my pencil yet. And so yeah, it's it, a was a, it was definitely a humbling experience. I'll, I'll just say that. You know, I, I thought 
I would feel pretty good going into it. And all of a sudden I'm completely blindsided by that. And, you know, next thing I know, I have people ask me what answer I got 20 seconds into a problem I haven't even started. So even yeah, the calculator is scary. There's so many buttons on those things. Oh, the T do you have the TI 84? I think mine's 83. Okay. I don't know. I mean, there's way too many buttons. I know we use them in high school, but yeah, no, it, it's, yeah, I, I feel, it truly feels like I'm doing rocket science in class when I'm just trying to do a simple equation. Yeah, it's not good. But aside from math, the rest of the classes seem to be all right so far. Yeah, that's good. Um, All right, so I think it's probably time that you and I jump into what we're going to cover in today's show. Uh, You want to lead off with the Big Ten? Sure. So the Big Ten, I think this will be a very fun conference. And I think that while saying that it'll be pretty similar to previous years where I think there's a pretty clear top three, that being Michigan, Ohio state and Penn state. I'll be honest. I was really thinking picking Penn state to win this conference, but I can't go against Michigan. So I'm taking Michigan over Wisconsin in Indianapolis, the big 10 championship game. Look, Michigan, I actually uh, saw an interview with the NFL draft scout guy a week or two ago. And it looks like, Michigan could have over 15 guys drafted, which is insane. Yeah. And they return J.J. McCarthy. It'll be his junior year and his second full year starting, so you'd expect him to take a step forward. They return two absolute animals in the backfield with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, uh, Junior Colson and Will Johnson on defense, Johnson secondary, Colson rushing the passer. And I expect their you know, O-line to be really good, just like any Jim Harbaugh team. And same with defense. So rolling with Michigan, Wisconsin, they're kind of getting away from, it seems like the Wisconsin that we've known for as long as I can remember with all the power running with Melvin Gordon, Monte Ball, Jonathan Taylor, all those guys. With Luke Fickle coming in, he brings in Phil Longo, who was in North Carolina with Will's Heisman pick Drake May. And it'll be really interesting. They have Braylon Allen coming back at running back, who's really, really good. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, is going to be the quarterback there. He was the starter at SMU um, two years ago and a little bit of last year. Uh, they also don't play Michigan and Penn State in conference, so that's good for them, They and they get Ohio State and Iowa at home. Penn State, like I said, I'm going to pick Penn State to go 11-1 and with the loss being to Michigan at home. I think they're going to beat Ohio State on the road. Drew Alara takes over quarterback after Sean Clifford was once again one of those guys that was there for probably 100 years. Um, they have a really good backfield, a good defense. I want to see one of their receivers step up. They lose Parker Washington, but they have some good weapons like Theo Johnson, Dante Cephas. So I could definitely see this kind of being the year where Penn State finally gets Ohio State. Uh, then looking at Ohio State, you have to replace CJ Stroud, um, among others. There's, but Ohio State is always loaded, and that they, they actually haven't named a starter yet. Looks like it's going to be Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. Either way, those of course, those guys are both five star guys. They have great skill position guys, including Shavian Henderson at running back and Marvin Harrison Jr., who might be my Heisman pick. Wow, we'll really? A non quarterback for the Heisman? That's the things. But kind of the thing with my Heisman pick is that I feel like at this point you have to be in the playoff if you're going to win the Heisman in most cases. It's a good point. So. But I think if a non-quarterback was going to win, it'd probably be Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. Um, but I'm interested to see how their defense does. Jim Knowles is a great defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. 
they obviously kind of fell apart against Michigan last year, but you know, second year of a system could be a lot better. So I'm just kind of curious as how fast it'll all come together. They do also have to replace three starters on the offensive line, but I'm still liking this Michigan and Ohio State Penn State top tier in the Big Ten. I just think it's going to be Penn State and Michigan both getting the best, uh, both getting the best of Ohio State. And Ryan Day was born on third base. Iowa, we have some more stuff to talk about them, but um, look, their defense is outstanding. I knew that it was really good. When I looked at the stats, they gave up, I think it was like 13 points per game last year, which is incredible. I mean, you should win a championship doing that. But of course, their OC is Brian Ferens, and their offense is absolutely terrible. Cade McNamara comes in, that quarterback, who's definitely better than um, Spencer Petrus. He was really bad. But I feel like in college football at a certain point, if you're that bad, a lot of it is because of your offensive skill set too. Um, and Brian Ferenc is not a good offensive coordinator, and Iowa just does, does not have a good offense in general. Uh, so their defense will still be really good, I'm sure, even though they lost a guy like Jack Campbell. But ultimately, I don't think it really matters because their offense is just that bad. And a couple other teams, Minnesota, Tanner Morgan, finally gone. But I bet that they'll still be good offensively, as most P.J. Fleck teams are. Nebraska, new coach with Matt Rule. I actually couldn't believe that Nebraska was able to pull that off because Matt Rule is a pretty big-name coach. Yeah, I'm pumped pumped for that team coming out of Nebraska this year. I know. And uh, Will and I have a good connection to Nebraska. We both went to Omaha uh, for the World Series. So uh, I'm a big Nebraska guy, actually, because I went to Lincoln – on that trip and they were super cool to me i got to go into their stadium go huskers baby yeah go big red and uh they bring in jeff sims from georgia tech he's a pretty talented guy he can also run around a fun guy to watch see if we can finally put it together they have some solid skill talent and we mentioned colorado how they play tcu earlier in the year they also play nebraska so mm-hmm. that's on the road in boulder uh but that could be a pretty fun game and one thing I just hit on Purdue, they're an interesting team. They bring in Ryan Walters, who is an outstanding defensive coordinator at Illinois. And just for me, I, you know, they have Hudson Carter quarterback, who I think in the right system could be really good. So Texas legend. Texas legend, baby. Almost won that Bama game. He, I mean, I got to give him so much credit. He was limping around. But yeah, I think we hit on a lot of these teams, but I'm liking Michigan over Wisconsin. But I wouldn't be surprised if two Big Ten teams make the playoff. I wouldn't be either. Um, I agree with you. I'm not necessarily sure who they will be playing, but I'm taking Michigan as my conference is my conference champion this year. Um, that team is just so damn good. They really are, especially with Jim Harbaugh. Like, he actually, you know, when he first got to Michigan, he certainly had his struggles and whatnot. You know, everyone's like, oh, is Harbaugh really the guy, kind of. And, you know, as the past few years have gone by, he's really figured it out and really hit his stride there in Michigan. So, you know, as you were saying, J.J. McCarthy is still running the show there. And, you know, clearly he led them to the playoff semifinal last year. And, you know, the year before that, they're in the playoffs. So I don't know why they couldn't make it a, uh, make a third trip again this this upcoming winter. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely picking Michigan. However, I also, of course, am really intrigued by Ohio State. I mean, I feel like everyone says this every year. But any team with Marvin Harrison Jr. on it is just going to absolutely be incredible to watch and he clearly is one of the if not the best receiver in all of college football don't forget donovan jackson shout out donovan shout out donovan Donovan. yes donovan's an awesome dude and an awesome player so i can't wait to see go knights 
Uh, but yes, no. So that's the thing with Ohio State. I feel like the thing that is making me choose Michigan over Ohio State this year is, you know, is because the Buckeyes are having to replace C.J. Stroud, which is a pretty tall ask, if you ask me. But at the same time, though, it's also Ryan Day. It is also Ohio State who has just produced, you know, feels like quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Um, so I'm not too worried about them now. But um, going into this year, I still think Michigan is, least, is at least my clear-cut favorite to win the conference. Um, you touched on Penn State a little bit. I am really intrigued by them as well this year, you know. I mean, how could you ever go against a Penn State team in a whiteout whatnot? That's probably not probably that is the best atmosphere in all of college football when Penn State has their whiteout once a year um you know James Franklin he uh I've always been a fan of him I, I even loved him when he was at Vanderbilt um he just he, seems, just wins. He, he does he just seems like a cool guy uh and you know he's definitely someone I would want to play for if I was a player um so yeah I I, I like what Penn State's doing um as for the other teams you know Rutgers, I, I'm not even sure what's going on there sometimes. Um, Purdue, of course, you know, as you're saying, they are definitely a very interesting team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue pulls off some kind of big upset this year. I feel like, you know, they may have a complete up and down season, but they they have been kind of known somewhat in the past to pull off that big win. Um, Spoiler makers always have it in Yes, them. they do. Um so I always really enjoyed that. Kind of a side note, speaking of Purdue, one of my favorite college football games probably of all time has to be that Purdue-Ohio State game maybe four seasons ago. That game was awesome. I loved it so much. Um, yeah, it was It was uh, the Saturday night primetime uh, at Purdue, and it was just awesome. I, I can't even – I don't even know why I love that game so much. It was just so fun. But uh, Rondo Moore, another Texas legend. Indeed. Yes, he is. Um, yeah, so that's what I think about Purdue. Uh, you look at Michigan State this year, they are, once again, fairly intriguing, but at the same time, I, there's just, in my mind, there's no way that they're on the same level as Michigan or Ohio State. Um, Colton, I was also meaning to ask you a little bit. Of course, you know, when Jim Harbaugh first got to Michigan, he was known as the guy who could not get past Ohio State. And, you know, now he's done it for two straight years. Do you think he makes it um, – a third straight victory against the Buckeyes this year? Do you think that Ohio State actually gets one back? I think Michigan's going to beat them. And I actually wanted to touch on this. Um, and just to preface, yes, I said Ryan Day was born on third base. I don't have any issue with Ryan Day. I think he's a good coach. And it's a good, yeah, he seems to be a pretty likable guy. A good guy. It's a, or it's a good joke. I really think I would not be that surprised if Ohio State loses to Michigan again and they're not in the playoff. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State tries to push them towards the NFL. I think they're kind of crazy like that. Yeah, no, I can see They that. have high, high expectations, mm-hmm. and I might not agree with it, but I think if – I don't know. I think if they're 10-2 and two and they lose to their rival again and the NFL is calling, Ohio State might nudge them in that direction. Mm-hmm. I'm also glad you brought up Michigan State because I think Kenneth Walker made Mel Tucker a lot of money, and yeah. good for him, but – Mel Tucker is a great defensive coach. That's what he's known for. And Michigan State hasn't played a lick of defense since he's been there. They've been awful. Even when they went, whatever it was, 11-2 and in 21, their defense was terrible. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what they can do this year. Yeah. But I'm with – I don't expect much. Yeah. No, I I want to because I remember, you know, uh, shout out 
a quarterback legend in Michigan State, Connor Cook. I met him in an airport once when I was like 10 years old. Really? I did. I forgot to tell you that. Um, they were playing in the Rose Bowl, and I was coming home. Or, no, I was going to Southern California, and he sat like a row or two behind me on the plane, so I kind of talked to him for a little bit, and then right as we got off the plane, we took a picture. So shout out to Connor Cook. But um, Was he before Kirk Cousins or after? He was after. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, Connor Cook was the quarterback who led Michigan State to the playoff, however, how, whatever oh, year right. that was. Yeah, you're right. Um, that was 2015. I think. Yeah, but anyways, ever since that, you know, I've I've wanted to see Michigan or Michigan State, excuse me, kind of retain that success. Obviously, that's difficult for any program unless you're, you know, Alabama. But uh, you know, I just, I I'm just not too high on them this year i want to be i really do because i really enjoy watching a good michigan state football team but i just don't see that this year i mean i think that you know they'll they'll be you know better than the worst teams in the conference by far but they're also not going to be able to compete with ohio state michigan and uh, penn state what do you think do you think michigan's taking ohio state down that's a good question um they're at home, which it, I like. it is in the big house, which is yeah. Um, you know, JJ McCarthy, the one who led his team into Columbus last year and absolutely, you know, handled business, no question. Um, he's back again this year. You know, he's a is he a, he's a junior now, I believe. Yeah, junior. yeah, so he's a junior. So, you know, if he has a good season, he can have his eyes in the NFL, whatnot. That would be his last home game, of course. I don't, I don't necessarily see. Ohio State getting past J.J. McCarthy and what could be his final home game as a Michigan Wolverine. Um, I'm not doing any score predictions, of course, right now, but I definitely think Michigan will win that game pretty comfortably. I'm with you there. Yeah. All right. You want to jump to the SEC? Yeah. What was uh, what was your official pick? You have Michigan? Yeah, I have Michigan. I, I couldn't necessarily tell you who it's going to be, who they're playing against, but yeah. either way, Michigan's going to be hoisting that trophy. I think it's probably Wisconsin or Iowa. <laughs> Iowa just oh, I mean, their offense is so bad. Can, just for a moment, can we please talk about that little gambling thing that happened with Iowa? Yeah, I mean it's kind of fitting because we were talking about how bad Iowa's offense is, but yeah, dudes betting the under players on Iowa and Iowa State—that's definitely not ideal. We actually forgot to touch on it as far as Iowa State, but um, I was looking at the schedule, at least for UT, I thought that that was the perfect trap game, and Iowa State is going to lose like half their team. At least their starting quarterback and running back aren't going to be eligible. So yeah, feel a little bit better about that one. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. But I guess if you're betting the under on an Iowa game, that's kind of a smart play. Yeah, I saw this, uh, this tweet. I believe it was from Reese Davis, the ESPN anchor. Um, he tweeted when that broke, he tweeted something out that said like taking Iowa in the under is more of like a smart financial investment than it is actually gambling. And I'm like, I read that and I'm like, this guy gets it. Yeah. (laughs) He's on something. Yeah. All right. I feel like that's enough big 10 talk. Let's just, you know, jump to the Mac daddy conference of them all. The sec. Would you like to lead us off Colton? I will. So I think the sec is going to be, like always, a lot of fun this year. I had a lot of trouble with my prediction. I think 
it's pretty clear George is going to come out of the East. I don't see how they don't. As far as the West, I was pretty torn on Alabama and LSU. I think they both have question marks. I'm going to go with LSU again to win the West, but I do think that Georgia is probably going to smash them in the SEC championship game. Looking at Georgia, they're going to be stacked again because they're Kirby Smart in Georgia. They recruit like crazy. Even though they lose Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, they'll be okay. I'm curious to watch their offense. Carson Beck comes in at quarterback, kind of an unknown there. He was highly rated out of high school, but you never know. What I'm more curious about is how their offense is going to run. I think Todd Munkin was an outstanding offensive coordinator, and they replaced him with Mike Bobo, who I'm not as high on. So I'm interested to see if they kind of just go back to this game manager type situation that they used to run before they got Munkin. And it took me a while to realize it, but Stetson Bennett was really, really good, and he could make pretty much all the throws. So I'm curious to see how this offense is going to play out. But regardless, I think Georgia will probably run through their schedule. It's pretty easy. You could always drop a game here and there, but even if they do, I think that they'll be in Atlanta. Looking at Tennessee, I mean, what a fun team last year. I'm going to miss Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt. They just still have a fun offense. Joe Milton is definitely one of the most interesting quarterbacks, I think, to watch this year. I mean, he looked fantastic in that Orange Bowl, and he has a cannon for an arm. But I don't know. I feel like the hype is a little too much right now, considering he never really put it together at Michigan. But I'm excited to see how it goes. Tennessee returns a Brew McCoy, another UT legend, and uh, Squirrel White at receiver. So the the key thing with Tennessee and their offense and how it works is it's very based on kind of the receivers being able to recognize different coverages and be on the same page with the quarterback. And they kind of run a very similar offense to what Baylor ran with our Bryles with super wide splits to kind of open up the run game. And I think one of the big things that made Tennessee so good last year was that all their quarterbacks and receivers were very experienced. And if Milton can get on the same page with those guys and figure it out, then they could be probably the second best team in the East there's also a guy behind Joe Milton, Nico Lamavalia. I'm pretty sure is how you say it. Don't ask me. I don't know. Yeah, he's a six six or something, five star quarterback yeah. coming in. So I guess if Milton struggles, that they'll throw him in. But I think that Tennessee or Kentucky will be second in the East. Kentucky is always good under uh, Mark Stoops. Their defense lost Justin Rogers, but I just expect them to be good because of Stoops. And they bring in Devin Leary, a quarterback from NC State, who I think is the best quarterback in the SEC coming in okay. to this season. As far as LSU goes, Brian Kelly, I don't like him, but he's a great coach. It's their, it's their second year in the system. And regardless of how sloppy they might have looked at times last year and losing that game to AM late in the year definitely wasn't pretty for them. And then getting blown out in the SEC championship. But to still win 10 games, win the East in year one is pretty impressive. I expect their offense to look better. In year two, Jaden Daniels is back with – he was in a tight battle, it seemed like, with Garrett Nussmeyer. So he's more of a pocket passer guy in Nussmeyer. So maybe they throw him in and things don't go well with Daniels. But he's a pretty experienced guy. League neighbors and Mason Taylor fill in for Kayshawn Booty, who leads for the draft. Mason Smith is the guy on defense. And Harold Perkins is was pretty elite as a freshman. Auburn, I'm just going to touch on them. I love the Hugh Freeze hire. He's, I mean, such an interesting dude. Peyton Thorne comes in at quarterback, though, from Michigan State, and he kind of sucks. But Hugh Freeze is a great offensive mind, so we'll see what he can do. Looking at Alabama, 
Look, I'm excited to talk about that game when we get to week two. But, I mean, look, Alabama's Alabama. It's crazy that Alabama could lose two games last year and it feels like a down year for them. But when I look at Alabama this year, I think they're going to be really good on defense. I think they're going to have a good running game and a good line. But I just don't know who their quarterback is. It sounds like it's going to be Jalen Milrow. And I think that Milrow kind of limits them offensively a little bit. I don't know if they're going to throw in Ty Simpson, a quarterback, if things don't go well with Milrow. But I think Bama is going to try and focus on the run game. And I don't know. The one thing with Bama is that even in previous years, I guess before Jalen Hurts and Tua, when they didn't typically have great quarterback play, you could always point to them having a guy like Mark Ingram, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. So I don't know. I, I, I don't see that this year from Alabama with their skill position group. So, but Alabama's Alabama. I just think that they could lose two or three games. They'll also be pretty young in the secondary. I'm interested how fast it'll come together, but you never want to doubt Saban, but I don't know. I think there's some question marks with Alabama. Texas A&M, who Will's going to get to, this is obviously a huge year for Jimbo. I'm really curious to see how their offense looks, adding in Bobby Petrino and I'm curious to see this relationship between Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino. I mean, look, Jimbo has won national championships. He's won conference championships, and he has done that with offense. And I can understand if a guy like that doesn't want to give up full control. So if he does and Petrino's the right hire, then, you know, I got to tip my hat to him. I'm really curious to see how that plays out. Connor Wigman sounds like he's going to be the guy, talented quarterback. Max Johnson behind him is also really good in his own right. They lose Devin a chain, but – they still bring back a pretty good receiver group with Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, and who am I forgetting? Uh, Noah Thomas. Yeah, Noah Thomas. Uh, so overall, and you bring in Ruben Owens at running back. So I think their O-line play needs to be better. Their defense is talented. I mean, that D-line can keep them in any game, and Bryce Anderson in the back end. I think they're going to kill Miami. I'm just really curious with AM. I think they're such a high-variance team. I could see them... Things are really bad. Six and six, seven and five are really good up to maybe 10 and two. What I'm really curious to see is it felt like from the outside for me last year, every AM loss just, it felt like it was so, so bad program wise. Yeah. And so yeah. I wonder, right? I mean, I could be wrong about that, but that's just kind of what I felt from the outside. No, that's a pretty accurate representation. And so one thing I'm curious, and like I said, I think AM is going to beat Miami. But say that for whatever reason, AM lost that game. I get the sense that if they lost that game, like I wonder if the season would just fall apart. You know what I mean? That's just something that I've been. Yeah. No. That's what it felt like to me last year. So I'm curious to see them, but I think that they're a pretty high variance team and they can beat anyone pretty much on their schedule, a lot of it due to their defensive line. And um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let Will get to it. I still want to talk about Ole Miss. But we'll do that after Will. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we will. But yeah, I'm taking LS, uh, I'm taking Georgia over LSU. Okay, that's a, that's a good pick. Um, I guess I'll just jump right into AM because that's where you're kind of leaving it. Um, as an Aggie, I am of course extremely intrigued by the new offensive coordinator Bobby Petrino. Um, I remember being a kid when AM first started playing Arkansas again when we were still in the Big Twelve. Those were Bobby Petrino led Razorback teams. And it just felt like he picked us apart. I mean, there were times in the game where we had a lead, but no matter how big or how small the lead was, it was never safe. 
because at the in the back of my mind back then, I always knew that Bobby Petrino is one of probably the most craftiest um, and most creative offensive coordinators in college football with his way to use different tight end sets and motions, etc. Um, that dude from you know 15 or so years ago was just always lighting up the scoreboard. Um, with that being said, though, I do think he will be the main main play caller here for us this year in Aggieland. Um, I think Jimbo actually touched on that a little bit, maybe about a week ago or so I saw a clip and he was saying, you know, Bobby's the guy, so on and so forth. And um, Colton, if I could find that clip, I'll send it to you. So it doesn't sound like I'm just making this up, but um, I think I saw the same thing. Yeah. 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 So uh, anyways, I'm really excited about that. And of course, considering that, you know, otherworldly recruiting class that we brought in last year. Of course, you lose a few pieces in Denver Harris, PJ Williams, um, Chris Marshall, Anthony Lucas, guys like that. Um, you know, everyone's trying to say like AM lost this, AM lost that. I mean, technically we did, yes, but I'm also I wouldn't necessarily say I'm too bothered by it or too worried by it. I don't think Denver Harris is a loss. No, I don't I don't think he is either. Um, I mean he of course is a five-star talent, but you know, he's kind of one of those cases where, you know, you have one of the, one of the most athletic guys in the sec on your team, but you also have to deal with a, a, just a plethora of off field issues that I hope he gets it together. I know he, I, was I do too. too. Yeah, no, that dude, if he, if he can figure it out and get it together, he will have such a bright future. It's not even funny. Um, but anyways, going back to AM, seeing the guys that they retained from last year's team, of course, Connor Wigman, Evan Stewart, Noah Thomas, uh, the entirety of that D-line minus Anthony Lucas, uh, you know, you have Shamar Stewart, you have Gabriel, Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy, you have LT Overton, Shamar Turner, you bring in guys like David Hicks. I mean, that's that D-line is so loaded, it's not even funny. Um, and of course you look at the DBs there, that secondary is going to be pretty salty with Bryce Anderson and, uh, Tyreek Chappelle. You also bring in transfer Tony Grimes from UNC, who's a five-star coming out of high school. So I know along with all the other Aggies here, I am very excited to see what he can do in, in his first year in the Maroon and white. Uh, but ultimately though, I feel like this team rides or dies with Connor Wigman. Um, you know, that defense, as I was just saying, will be salty. But the thing that plagued AM completely last year was just poor quarterback play. Um, so if Connor Wigman, you know, if the same Wigman from last year's LSU game shows up for the majority of this year, AM will easily be one of the most probably slept on teams in the country. I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn here, but I truly believe that's how high our ceiling can be this year if Connor Wigman can just step up and be that guy. Um, okay, that's enough for AM as of right so now. Anaya Smith is who I forgot. I don't know how. Oh, yes, yeah. Anaya Smith. Well, let I me mean, to be fair, I forgot him too. Uh, yes, he is back. Uh, hell, I think he like he broke his leg or, or ankle or something in the Arkansas game last year. Um, he's back for like his fifth year or sixth year of college, I think, which is kind of nuts. Uh, but, of course, we welcome here. In, we welcome him here in Aggieland. Uh Anyways, moving on to the rest of the conference. As for the West, I really do like LSU as a pick for the West. Um, you know, you have uh, Jaden Daniels at quarterback. Uh, the dude clearly brought him to the title game last year, the conference title game. Um, 
you know, they beat Bama at home. But at the same time, though, they did also lose to AM on the road at the end of the season. So it felt kind of like an up and down. But, you know, I like the trajectory of where they were headed last year, uh, especially as you're saying in year one of Brian Kelly. They did have some flashes of brilliance, I would say, most notably that Alabama game. Uh, that was extremely entertaining and fun to watch. But LSU, they, um, I feel good about them as a, as a conference pick. Uh, but, Alabama, you know, Alabama will and always will be Alabama as long as Nick Saban's there. But I would still actually say I lean more towards LSU just because of Alabama and their quarterback situation. You know, you're trying to replace a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback with, you know, either Jalen Milrow, who had a limited action last year, or, you know, a five-star true freshman quarterback and Ty, Ty Simpson. Yeah, Ty Simpson. They also have Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, and he has not been good either. No. So also, there's a guy, Dylan Lonergan, I believe is his name. He's a he's a true freshman that apparently has been playing well, but I can't imagine he's going to win that job. It sounds like it's going to be Milrow. Yeah. So if it's Milrow, you know, uh, shout out Tompkins High School, go Falcons. Um, Also, a former Texas commit. So (laughs) I do love Jalen. He recruited so much of our team. Yes. Anyways, Jalen Milrow. The thing with him. He's like a watered down version of Bryce Young. I'm not saying like he's as, nowhere near as good as Bryce Young, but he kind of has a similar play style, meaning he's just a mainly like kind of like a dual threat guy. Uh, except for Bryce Young, though, his passing skills were, you know, a hundred times better than probably what Jalen Murrow's are right now. Gives me Jalen Hurts vibes when he runs. Yeah, he he runs he runs hard, dude. He he's runs so strong. Yeah. Um. He's he's a he's a good quarterback. At least he was in high school. I don't know how he'll do in the SEC. Um, he was so bad against A and M last year. He was pretty bad, actually. Yeah, but um, if he's the guy in Tuscaloosa, that will be really interesting to keep keep an eye on. Um, as for other teams, you know Mississippi State, Ole Miss. With Ole Miss, you have Jackson Dart, of course. Um, I just completely drew a blank. I can't think of their the running back's name right now, who was just like Quinchin, Quinchin Judkins. Yes. He was otherworldly last year. Um, so you got both of those guys on offense. And of course it's Lane Kiffin. So we all know he likes to have a little bit of fun when he's calling plays. Um, he also likes to throw his clipboard up in the air, like 50 feet high. And, you know, oh, yeah. he's a big, a nice play call. and is a, is a pretty big fan of French's mustard and yellow golf balls, but we'll, and Twitter. yes, we will get to that later. Um, yeah. Ole Miss. I, um, I don't I don't think that they have necessarily the capability of winning the conference or winning the West this year, like how obviously Alabama and LSU do. But I also don't think they'll be at the you know at the bottom uh, rounding out rounding out the West. Uh, I just kind of see them, at least in my mind and my eyes, as kind of just like a middle of the road team. You know, they have the chance to be really good this year, but they also have the chance to be really bad. Um, and then of course Mississippi State. I I think that they'll probably be they probably will be the ones rounding out the west this year um at least that's what i think as of right now um rest in peace to mike leach by the way swing your sword your sword Uh, cjk5h this cultural ball season actually is going to be way less fun without mike leach that dude was awesome i've actually been reading his book really it's pretty funny but yeah swing your sword that's terrible. Everyone loves Mike Leach. He had such a big impact on football as a whole. No question. Um, 
All right, now going to the east. Honestly, I'm probably I'm probably going to take Tennessee over Georgia in the east. I would love that. I would love that too. And that's why that's why I'm calling it now. You know, realistically, my brain's kind of like, dude, like Georgia's been the top dog, no pun intended for the past, you know, however like four or five seasons probably in the, in the east. Um but Tennessee, as you were saying, was just so fun last year. Um, I mean, that offense was absolutely electric when they had Hendon Hooker when he was still healthy. You know, Jalen Hyatt against Bama, he went off for like, what, five total touchdowns or something? Or he had like five receiving touchdowns. Like, he was he was crazy. Um, of course, That was probably the best game of last year, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, of course, Brew McCoy, Texas legend, still there. Um I agree with what you were saying though about Joe Milton. That dude has the potential. It feels like to be a top five quarterback taken in the draft, but he's got to really put it together. I mean, that arm talent truly speaks for itself. He could he could throw that thing through a cement wall. Um, he he's <laughs> his arm talent kind of reminds me of Uncle Rico from um, Napoleon oh, Dynamite. Yeah. He, except uh, Joe Milton could actually throw him over the Rocky Mountains. He could throw it over over Rocky Top. Yes, no question. Um, so I am taking Tennessee just to be a little bit different. And I'm also a little bit unsure about Georgia's quarterback situation. Of course, you know, they just named their starter, but he's got a, an extremely tall task of replacing Stetson Bennett. Um, God love the mailman. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, of course, Georgia, they will always have weapons. They will always on both offense and defense, but I don't know. I'm a big quarterback guy. And, you know, if you don't necessarily have, I feel like an established starter or someone, you know, you can, you can just go out there and win, win ball games like that. Uh, I feel like it's going to be tough. So I, I still think that they, you know, 10 and two, no question, but I don't think they will have like the undefeated season, like what we've come to expect over the past few years and they had Stetson Bennett. Um, as for the other teams in the East, I mean, Florida, they're a little intriguing this year, but at the same time, also not. I mean, that Utah game last year was sick, and I remember when they when they beat them at home in the swamp. I'm like, man, these guys could be really dang good this year. And obviously, it didn't really turn out that way. Um, I think they're going to be terrible this year. Vandy. I mean, we all know what to expect with Vandy. They're a baseball school. No offense. No offense. Commodores anchored down, but it, they they look forward to the spring when everyone else looks forward to the fall. I think they won five games last year, so they did. Not- yeah, and I mean, I'll never forgive them for changing that logo. It feels like so abruptly, whatnot, last year. Yeah, that was not a good move. I didn't think it was either. Um, yeah, so that's Vandy, Tennessee, Georgia, uh, South Carolina could be a little interesting this year with Spencer Rattler still at quarterback. Um, obviously, they were a much more improved team last year than they were the year from the year prior. Um. And Spencer Rattler, he's in his like third or fourth year of school now, so he definitely has some experience under his belt, to say the least. Um, he's his fifth year, actually. Is it really? Because he sat behind, he sat behind. Was it Kyler for a year? I think it was Kyler. Yeah, he sat behind him for a year. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I feel like with him though, he or Jalen Hurts maybe. I don't. We'll have to look it up or something. I'm not necessarily too sure. But um, I think the thing with him, correct me if I'm wrong, Colton, I feel like he tries to 
probably fit the ball into tight windows. He probably shouldn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, he trusts his arm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the arm talent's there, of course. It's just the decision-making. So if he can be more sharp on that front this year and you know a little bit smarter with the ball and take care of it a little bit more, I think that South Carolina is actually primed for a pretty big year, at least by their standards of recent football. I mean, I, I don't have them winning the East. That's Tennessee, of course, in my, in my mind. But I certainly think South Carolina can make some definite noise in the, uh, the East uh, in the SEC this year. They had a good year last year. They did. I think they went eight and four, and they beat Clemson and destroyed Tennessee. Yeah, which that- was really sad because Hoover got hurt. But they were getting killed either way. But yeah, yeah. Also, South Carolina has a freshman five star guy, Nicholas Harbor, at tight end, and I would just watch out for him because I think he's six six and is an insanely good sprinter. So. Mm-hmm. He could be a fun guy to watch and maybe make some freak plays as a freshman, but I would just keep your eye out for him. But yeah, yeah South Carolina, I agree. Because the thing with them, though, is they always have such a tough schedule. Yeah, so, that is true. But, but I mean, if Spencer, Rat- if Spencer Rattler can put it together a little bit, I mean, that tough, that tough, that tough, tough schedule, you know, seems to get a little bit easier when you have a quarterback yeah. making great plays. I think um, Clemson's at home, too. It is. Yeah, no, it is at home. They Clemson's field last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just cause I don't want to miss anybody. We, um, I'll touch on Missouri a little bit, not expecting much again. Um, the, I mean, the best news that they've received probably since 2007 was that five-star player. I can't think of his name right now, but that five-star Marinari or something. Yeah. Those Missouri fans loved me on Twitter. Yeah. That, so. that five, Come on, then, Miz. yeah, that, that five-star player committing to them like a week ago was truly the best news that they've had since probably 2007. I mean, they did play for the SEC title game, like when they first joined the conference. It was like 2014. They had some I think. fun teams. They did. Um, quarterback's name James Franklin too. Something like that. I remember they had this uh, this stud like linebacker or something. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? I can't think of his I name. Do. Oh, Shane Ray. Yes, Shane Ray. Thank you. Yeah, that dude was a lot of fun. But as for Missouri this year, not much. Um, I think that's majority of teams in the East. Am I missing anybody? I want to touch on Arkansas. They have KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders coming back. Sam Pittman is replacing both coordinators, and they really took a step back last year after a really good 2021 season for them. So I'm curious to see how they do. I mean, KJ is a very fun quarterback to watch, and yeah, we'll see how it goes for them. I don't. I don't expect much more than maybe six or seven wins. I don't, I don't really see it for them. And should I touch on Ole Miss? Colton, the floor is all you. So I want to talk about Ole Miss. One, I'm a Lane Kiffin guy. He's he's pretty funny. Always has a fun offense. I think they kind of have a ceiling because he doesn't sign great classes, but he does do well in the transfer portal. They have an interesting quarterback room. They return Jackson Dart, who was up and down his first year starting. They bring in Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, who was a starter there for a decade, it felt like. And Sanders is kind of in the same mold as DTR. I don't know if you've watched much of Spencer Sanders, but he's really funny. I mean, every play, it feels like you're saying, oh, no, or oh, yes, he'll make he'll throw a really stupid pick, or he'll leap in the air and have some 10-yard completion or hurdle a guy. So... 
I'm hoping for him to win the job. I don't know if that's going to happen. They also have Walker Howard comes in from LSU, a talented guy, but sounds like it'll be Dart over Spencer Sanders. And yeah, they return Quinton Judkins. They're always a team that can pull an upset. Going back to AM real quick, I'm curious if AM has struggled against the Mississippi schools. It seems like they never were able to beat both in the same year. So, so I, I know Ole Miss has them at home this year. So I'm curious to see how that game plays out. Yeah. Um, it's the craziest thing. I mean, uh, we've beaten, I feel like we've beaten Alabama more in the conference than we have beaten like Mississippi State. And it just makes no sense. Um, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we just, they just happen to be the, the kryptonite of every somewhat respectable AM team, which makes absolutely no sense. You know, AM has got, it, they get by Arkansas on, you know, the handful of years, whatnot it's been. You've gotten by Alabama. You usually get through Auburn um, most of the time. And then, you know, you, you either travel to Starkville or they come to, they come to College Station, and it's just always a dogfight. AM could be ranked number one in the nation. And Mississippi State could be unranked, and that I would still feel confident in choosing Mississippi State in that game. Yeah, they they just get fired up for that game. But back to Ole Miss, there's been some recent news. Um, I'm sure, people have seen the Blind Side. Actually, pretty sad. So, and it sounds like the family's kind of fighting back to what Michael Orr was saying. But either way, and I've had this take long before this ever came out about the blind side, not really being real is that that is the worst movie ever. What do you think? Will? I mean, because will knows I've been okay. on that for a long time. That okay. movie is terrible. So Colton has been on this for a long time. Yes. There's no question about that. If you know him, I guarantee you he's brought it up once within the past two years or so. Um, however, when the blind side first came out, I loved it. I really did. I'm not yeah. going to lie. It was awesome. Uh, you know, they actually had a cameo from the real Nick Saban in that movie, which obviously it's, that's pretty tough and to do. Coach o. They did have coach. O. <laughs> that was, that was probably the most random. How they got those guys. In that that movie. was probably the most random cameo in all of college football movies. But anyways, I loved the story. I, you know, I, I bought into it completely. I believed it. Uh, 100% so on and so forth you know I, I thought it was really cool to bring light to such a inspiring story like that and you know after that movie kind of had its run in theaters and it's been out on home video for a while it kind of just when it kind of just stepped aside it was just one of those you know it's just one of those movies that if you were scrolling by like oh it's on you know or I'll click on it and watch it but you never really like think about it anymore um, until about a week or two ago whenever that was uh so once that happened, I was kind of sad about it. Like it, it just. But at the same time, though, I also do have to wonder. I mean, Michael Orr himself played in the NFL for a, a quite a healthy amount of years, I would say. Um, and he just now noticed he wasn't paid from the movie. I don't know. I thought it was kind of odd, but um, it did it did make me pretty dang sad to see all that come out, though. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it all shakes out. I, I've i seen from people that know the Tuies in that area that this wasn't really that big of a surprise and that they are, I don't know, just that this wasn't, I guess, something that was super out of their character. Uh, but back to the movie, look, I get it. When I watched it when I was little, I thought it was good. It's a really good feel-good movie. And I watched it a few years ago when I was in high school and I thought it was just the worst 
I mean, okay. To be fair, I haven't given that movie a rewatch probably in like eight years. It's so it's the cheesiest movie ever. And look, I get why Michael Orr doesn't like that movie. They make him look so stupid. If you watch a movie, you would think he couldn't read, which wasn't accurate. Also that scene where he says he's never seen a bed before. Oh yeah. 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 Scene. And then, the other scene that really gets me is, you know, when she calls coach during the game and she's like, stop with the trick plays. Like, the dang ball. Ball. Yeah. yeah. Well, the coach in real life is Hugh Freeze, who is like one of the best offensive minds in college football. I think so, he would know when to run the ball. Right. So I am uh, totally against Alliance. I think it's the worst movie of all time. Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for that movie, which is unbelievable. But yeah, so... I hope everything with the actual story works out and I guess that whoever's right, you know, gets their justice. But yeah, that's that's the worst sports movie of all time. So and Colton, do you, do you think Sandra Bullock should have her Oscar like taken like how Reggie Bush had his husband taken? About to say, Reggie Bush style. Yeah. No, it's not her fault. That's fair. Like I'll say for the role that she was cast, she did a good job. It's just the movie's awful. Yeah. But for her, no. I mean, for for what she was supposed to do, I think she killed it. So I'll let her keep the Oscar. But yes, Ole Miss, interesting team as always. Lane Kiffin, it's always going to be fun. I'm I'm with you. I don't see more than six, seven, eight wins there. But I hope Spender Sanders wins the job because he's really funny. And Mississippi State, like we said, it won't be the same without Mike Leach. Zach Arnett's a great defensive mind, so I expect them to be good on defense. They return Will Rogers who's been a pretty solid SEC quarterback for the last few years. They have Joquavius Marks and Jaden Wally as skill position guys. So it's going to be interesting them shifting from the air raid to a new offensive style. But overall, I'm with you. I don't I don't see much. And same with Vanderbilt. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess I'm taking Georgia over LSU. And okay. you're taking – who do you have winning that? That's a good question. Um God, it's such a toss-up for me for LSU and Alabama from the West. I mean, as an Aggie, I would love absolutely nothing more to say that AM would win the West and play in Atlanta at the end of the season, but I just don't think that'll happen this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, anything's possible, of course, but I, I'm just not, I don't want to set myself up for failure by saying that. Um, so I will most likely – not most likely, I will. I will choose LSU also um, – so I'll choose them over Tennessee. As much okay. as, as much as I like Tennessee, um, I think LSU and Brian Kelly, they'll have a damn good year this year. I like it. And Tennessee has Georgia at home. I'm curious if Tennessee, if you have Tennessee winning the East, do you have them in the playoff? Or well, no. I guess if you have them losing to LSU, then not. But I wonder if Georgia's 11-1. and That schedule is really bad. They could miss the playoffs at 11-1. and Yeah. No, I, I believe that. Um I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, though, do you actually see Georgia going like eleven and one this year with with you know with the new quarterbacks and Stetson Bennett? I mean, of course they have the offensive and defensive weapons to do it, but as I was telling you earlier, in my mind at least, it just boils down to how well the quarterback plays, and you know they're replacing their quarterback for the first time in what three seasons or so, and he won two national titles while he was there. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing for me is. I can definitely see them dropping a game. 
I just I don't know if I could see two just look at their schedule. I think Florida's gonna be really bad. They get Kentucky at home. Maybe if Auburn had a better quarterback, maybe I just I don't know. Okay. I think although I do think Ole Miss is a team that could upset one of Georgia or Bama. That wouldn't surprise me. Okay. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I hope you're right. That'd be really fun to see Tennessee. Yeah. All right, Colton, I feel like we should probably address a little bit of an elephant in the room considering the two conferences we broke down today. Conference realignment, of course, has kind of shaken up the college football world slash landscape, whatnot, this past summer. Um, what do you? Uh, how do you feel about the new look Big Ten and the new look SEC going into next year? It's very interesting. There's a lot of moving parts, too, with this. I think that the ACC, the problem is they're stuck in their grant of rights, I think until 2031 or 35 or something. So I think there's still a lot more to play out, but we can't talk about these conferences without mentioning conference realignment. I think the SEC, obviously being a Texas guy, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and it makes a lot of sense geographically. So it'll be fun to see if they kind of go with the pod system and how the schedule is all going to play out. The Big Ten doesn't make much sense. I think it sucks for a lot of those guys that they're going to have to – I mean, if you play UCLA, you have to go fly out to Rutgers one weekend. And yeah. it sucks for a lot of the smaller school – or for a lot of the smaller sports. But can't say I'm not going to watch Oregon, Ohio State, or USC, Michigan. So for sure. it'll be fun. I'm just curious to see how it all plays out. I think there's still so much more to unravel in conference realignment. For sure. Um yeah, no. It, when I remember when the USC UCLA news broke, I was just completely confused by it. Um, at least you know, ever it feels like for our just about our entire lifetime, conferences like this for college football or college athletics in general have been geographically aligned as they should be. Of course, you know, you had all the West Coast teams out in the Pac-12 or the pa- old Pac-10, then the Pac-12. Um, you know, you had the, the Central central uh u.s teams in the big 12 uh of course you had the southeastern teams in the sec you had the coastal guys in the acc and you had the the schools up east in the big 10 um so when it broke that usc and ucla were joining the big 10 i truly like my jaw hit the floor um but i do think it will be a lot of fun um I've, I've already loved all the memes and jokes that have come out about that on Twitter or Reddit, wherever the hell. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite one though, it's, it was a picture of, uh, Oh, it was like Iowa or someone lined up in, in like a, a jumbo eye formation. What? Exactly. Yeah, I know you're yeah. talking about. Yes. Um, on like first and 10 on like their own 25 and they just had a fullback in there and they're just going to hand it up off, hand it up, uh, handed off up the middle, excuse me. And it said, it said something like, I can't wait to see USC and UCLA try to guard this one day. Um, so I, I love the jokes, but other than that, that's about the only thing I love about that move. Um, it, it just makes no sense. And then of course you look at the sec, that one with Texas and Oklahoma makes a million times more sense than USC and UCLA. Um, that will be very intriguing. Of course, at least in my opinion, the biggest thing that we get out of this entire conference realignment is Colton. We get the game back. Uh, that'll be very, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be very exciting. Um, because I never really got it. I mean, they, Anim left when I was 
second or third grade. So yeah, and we never would go to those games. So yeah, our first year kind of too young to remember a lot of them. Our first year in the SEC was 2012. So you and I were like nine or ten years old going into that. Um, but anyways, that is very exciting. Um, I think that'll be some fun. That'll be a fun week of podcasting too. No question. Um, I think it is great for the for the SEC to add two great great teams and slash universities to their conference. It only makes the conference stronger, in my opinion. As much as it pains me to say that about Texas, but it's just the truth. Um, so I appreciate it. Yeah, no problems. What I'm here for. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, the SEC conference realignment it's just outright better. Uh, I mean, the Big Ten. Oh, I mean, we completely forgot Oregon's going to the Big Ten too. Oregon, Washington. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, that that just makes no sense. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's pretty much what I have to say about that. Uh, all right, do you want to? Let's see. Do you want to cover some of the small group of five teams, or do you want to just jump right into Week Zero? Yeah, let's run down. Let's run through a couple group of five teams. I'll just start it off. Tulane won the Cotton Bowl last year. They're the New Year's Six representative from the American. Their quarterback's coming back. Willie Fritz is a great coach. They play Ole Miss early in the year in New Orleans, which that could be a lot of fun. That'll be a ranked matchup. So I think Tulane is pretty clearly the favorite there. But UTSA going to the American could definitely shake things up. Frank Harris is back for, I think it's actually his seventh year. So I definitely kind of see them as that number two team in the conference, the Roadrunner. Shout out to James Tossig. Toss bomb. Toss bomb, UTSA baseball legend. We're taking the uh, we're taking the Oma Runners to Omaha this year. Yeah. Even though we're not a college baseball podcast, that's going to be our little our little segment. So also slam the over on James Tossig home runs. But <laughs> we're looking at – so yeah, UTSA and Tulane seem like the top two to me. UTSA has a good receiver group too. SMU, though, Preston Stone was injured last year, about midway through the year, but he's a talented guy. See if this kind of can be his year. Jordan Hudson transfers in a receiver from TCU, and they avoid Tulane and UTSA on the schedule. So that could help them out a lot. Shifting to Conference USA, Western Kentucky, got to talk about them. Their quarterback, Austin Reed, threw for 4,700 yards last year and 40 touchdowns. So He's definitely a big-time guy to watch there. Their receiver, Malachi Corley, had 1,000 yards last year too. So they kind of seem like a team that could make some noise there. Liberty, Jamie Chadwell moves over from Coastal, who runs a pretty fun offense. So they should be good. Coastal still has Grayson McCall. So definitely tune in for them. Boise State, I think this is the year that they get back to winning the conference with Andy Avalos there at head coach. Taylor Green's a good quarterback, and they have some really good backs in Ashton JNT and George Halani. And got to talk about some action. Toledo seems like the clear favorite there. Daquan Finn is a quarterback, and they have a solid receiver group. But overall, I think I'm leaning towards Tulane or UTSA to get that New Year's Six spot out of the group of five. I'm liking UTSA, personally. Um, Jeff Trailer's a great coach. Yes. The, what, the past two years or so, whatnot, they've only lost like three games i think something I think like they were that 23 and five the last two years yeah they have been absolutely ridiculous um and they're just fun to watch you know it just just that's the thing that makes group of five teams special is that they obviously it sucks that they don't get nowhere near as much coverage as you know big power five schools but at the same time though um that doesn't mean just because they're not being covered as much does not mean they're playing bad football like utsa has been very very good 
over the the past few seasons, and I certainly don't see them slowing down anytime soon. One of my favorite G5 players of all time, too, Rakeem Cato. Remember him from Marshall? Mm-hmm. That dude is awesome. Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think I'm taking Tulane, but I like UTSA and SMU a lot as well. Or Rhett Lashley can really put up points as an offensive mind. Mm-hmm. Their defense was pretty bad last year and probably the same this year. But yeah. like I mentioned in yesterday's episode, I think that that SMU-Oklahoma game could be a lot of fun early on, a lot of points. Yes. All right. I think it's time we jump into a little preview of week zero. Uh, I, it, in my opinion, at least, uh, I think the three most important games or most exciting games of week zero, if you can even say that, uh, obviously to lead it off has to be Navy Notre Dame in Ireland. Uh, that is truly the first college football game of the season. So I feel like every, at least a normal dude here in America will probably be tuned into that at some point. Um, after that, you know, you got Hawaii and Vandy, which is an extremely interesting matchup. Um, and then of course, I think the third and final most notable game has to be USC San Jose state. You know, you get to see Caleb Williams back in action, uh, for the first time since winning the Heisman. Well, correction after the bowl game, but, um, that that's always exciting to see last year's Heisman winner back in action. Um, Colton, what do you like about those games? Are there any that I'm missing, or what do you think about? Yeah, I'll be honest. There's not too much on week zero that's very exciting, but I mean, we maybe Notre Dame. Day, so that that just should probably tell you everything you need to know about week zero. Yeah, I mean, and look, college football is college football, so I'm definitely going to be tuning in and watching. But definitely more excited for week one than week zero. But Navy Notre Dame, I think would have been an ugly game either way, but I especially it being in Ireland, those teams can be jet lagged. It seems like every international game, NFL college is always pretty ugly, but I think Notre Dame is going to kill Navy. Hawaii Vandy is just funny because it's Hawaii and Vanderbilt, but I actually think Vanderbilt will be okay this year. Maybe a five win team. So I'll roll with the Commodores and yeah, USC excited to see Caleb Williams again. He's just so damn good. Mm-hmm. But obviously they're going to destroy San Jose. But yeah, it's always fun to see the returning Heisman winner play some football. What about you? What are your thoughts? For sure. Um, I mean, honestly, they're kind of on par with you. And Navy Notre Dame. That, I, I, quite honestly, I don't. I think the game's almost over with. Pretty much over with before it even starts for Navy. Um, Notre Dame can pretty much beat them in every facet of the game. Um, as we were talking a little bit last night about Marcus Freeman, um, I'm looking, I'm looking for a really big bounce back year for Notre Dame this year and Marcus Freeman. I mean, of course, they finished the year rather strong last year, but you still had a loss to Marshall fairly early on. So I'm looking for them to clean up some of those mistakes. And I definitely think they get they set off on the right foot this this year uh, with a pretty big win over Navy in Week Zero. Um, as for Hawaii and Vandy. Just like you, looks like what you said that we just threw that out there because it's pretty funny. I mean, it feels like the most, it's, it's definitely the most random matchup, I feel like, of week zero. For um, sure. It's just going to be fun. I mean, any Hawaii game is fun. Uh, is that game in Nashville or is it in Hawaii? It is in Nashville, and Vandy has been doing stadium renovations, and yeah. they're not even close to being done, but they're going to play football, so. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, those pictures on Twitter are like mind-boggling. Why they're just why they're just now doing that? Um, I think Jim's finished the end zone. 
a week ago. Yeah. Uh, anyways, as for my pick in that game, it just, I mean, has to be Vandy, right? I mean, I don't know how Hawaii could pretty much pull anything off like that. Um, and then finally, USC, San Jose State. I mean, hello, USC. Um, Caleb Williams, though, I'm I'm very excited to see what he can do. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but oh, um, excuse me, Zachariah Branch or Zach Branch, um, five star wide receiver, one of the top two or top three receivers in the country coming into coming in into this season uh, out of high school. I'm really eager and excited to see what he can do as a true freshman. I expect to see him playing a lot, especially in a Lincoln Riley offense. Um, and of course, when you have, you know, the best quarterback in college football throwing to him, shout out Drake May though. I still love Drake May. Uh, love Drake. Yes. Anyways, but when you have the best quarterback, in my opinion, in college football throwing to him, I mean, the dude is, he's primed to have immediate success. And so I'm really excited to see what he can do. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I think pretty clearly Notre Dame Navy is the most entertaining game. That's not even that entertaining, but I'm a Marcus Freeman guy, so I want that on record. I'm rooting hard for Marcus Freeman. I am too, very much so. All right. Well, I think it's probably about time we get to our final segment, the new one, Life Advice. Um, since our last episode, we have had two more submissions, so shout out to those people. Thank you for submitting those. And if you have any submissions for Life Advice whatsoever, uh, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram. You can shoot us a DM. You can tag us in a post. You can text one of us if you have our numbers or you hell you can even send us an email um but yeah um let's just jump right into this one colton so the question is uh well we're still keep yeah we're still keeping these kind of anonymous right correct well here do you want me to just just uh, lead it off yeah i'll let you go for it sorry about that all good so First one, so yeah, most of the time we're going to keep these anonymous unless you don't want us to, but uh, Grayson Griffith, one of my good friends here at UT, she wanted the shout out, so thank you. She actually was supporting the podcast, which I appreciate. I don't think football is really her vibe, but I appreciate her supporting, and she liked the life segment, so she, the life advice segment, so she submitted a question. Her question was, what is something minor, seemingly insignificant in your life that actually contributes to your overall happiness? That's a really good question. That is extremely deep for a Wednesday afternoon, but I'm here for it. Uh, so do you want me to start or do you want to take this one? Uh, I'll start it off if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so something minor to me, um, but it, it, it obviously increases my overall happiness. Uh, I would say probably playing my guitar actually. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, I, for my entire life, majority of it, I've always wanted to pick up a guitar, figure out how to do it. Um, it always seems so difficult though. And, you know, I, I, ne- I guess I never really had time pretty much long story short. I always had some sort of excuse to never figure it out and sit down and learn it. Um, until about two years ago, um, I just said hell with it. I'm, I'm determined to figure something out at least on this thing. So I went out and bought a cheap guitar and, you know, I haven't put it down since I love playing that thing. And obviously it's something more minor, at least in my life. Cause I'm, you know, not doing anything too crazy with it. It's just, it's a pastime for me, but it certainly, um, boosts my happiness. I would say, 
So that's, that's what works for me. At least if I had to say something for someone else, I would just, you know, just say, find a hobby that, or find whatever you really enjoy. Um, you know, whether it might be like video games or photography or just hell, even watching TV or just something like that, or working out, just something that you enjoy and, you know, just try to do it as much as you can. I mean, that's, that's how the guitars work for me. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that I ultimately took the time to figure out how to play it. So Colton, what would you, uh, what would you say about this? What's your answer? That's a great answer. I didn't even know that you played guitar. I actually, I'm kind of with you there. I bought a guitar a couple months ago and I've only picked it up a couple of times, but it is one of my goals to learn it, but I didn't even know that you played guitar actually. Yeah. I'll help you out if you have any questions. No, I appreciate it. For yeah. Sure. So I'm kind of with you there on finding a hobby. One thing that I'll say kind of the first thing that popped into my mind, it's actually pretty recent systems classes just started and I'm going with more of an interaction, but I always just think it's cool when I'm walking to class or walking back from class on, I just think it's fun if you're on campus and I see a friend and we just fist bump or dap up. It's something minor, but I think it's kind of cool and such a big environment to see friends and people are all stressed, tired, hot, but I always think it's a little good boost of the day if, if you see a friend and you know you just stop and say what's up, you give him a fist bump, high five, handshake, whatever. So yeah. it's something significant, but I think it's I think it's a good boost to the mood and everything. If you just see a friend around and say what's up, say you know see how they're doing, and yeah, but great question. Yes, thank you That's for that submission. Shout out. All right, and we actually yeah one more. Do you want to take this one? Yeah, I'll take this one. We have one more, our last one. Um, I believe we were told to keep this one anonymous. Um, so we will do that. Uh, the last submission, the question is, how do you stay positive when your team is underachieving? I feel like you and I have some pretty good experience on this. I was in the, say, in we the can college play. football world. Um, mm. I'll, I'll leave this one off, especially considering we, we probably had the most underachieving team in the history of AM last year. So how did I stay positive? I'm not sure I did all the time last year. Um, you know, I uh, I just kind of just told myself I just just to just trust the process, trust the coaches, trust the players. Um, you know, you look at like someone like Nick Saban, year one in Alabama. I mean, they were I wouldn't say flat out awful, but they were nowhere near what we expect from a Nick Saban Alabama team. So I, I just you know just have to look forward to the future and just take it day by day. But, um, just how do I mean, like stay positive? Um, you know that I feel like that's kind of where like the hobby thing comes in. Cause it helps me take my mind off of the atrocities that happen on football fields like that. So, um, but as for the team, you know, I just try to trust the process as much as I can and, you know, just absolutely hope for the best going forward. Uh, what would you say about that, Colton? Yeah, I think we have pretty similar answers. Really just looking towards the future. And with both of our teams, we normally bring in good recruiting classes too. So you can always point towards the future. And look, you can always make excuses, even if they're not valid. But you can always do that. And look, when the offseason comes, everyone's undefeated. So That's a very good point. You can always drink the Kool-Aid and... I'm typically drinking a lot of Kool-Aid. So, yeah, I think just look towards the future and just hope for the best. 
yep trick yourself into believing something we do this all the time so yeah we uh it's it's totally normal and healthy though yes of, of course no question but uh yeah i think that's about all we have i just want to thank everyone i actually have had people texting me and i've had some friends in class just say that they like the podcast and i appreciate anyone that's been listening or submitting questions it's really cool and it's been a lot of fun for us and also once again thanking will for killing it with all the technology of course i mean he's had episodes out you know like that and the audio has been great also i've seen some people have commented to me that the audio sounds really good. Shout so, out Zencaster. Yeah, Zencaster has been great. So yeah, it's been great. Um, we appreciate all the support. And finally, next week, we're going to have some games to recap and preview. So it should be a lot of fun. Yes. And also, I would like to note, um, with next week, uh, of course, we will already have the first week of school under our belt. Uh, no more changing schedules necessarily. So I believe starting if not next week, then the week after for week one, um, we should be on that Monday, Wednesday schedule a lot more consistently. I realize that our, our uploads so far have been a little bit sporadic and kind of all over the place. But um, once the season truly gets underway, um, I, I Colton and I feel pretty dang confident we will be able to maintain that schedule. Um, yeah, that's our plan. We yeah, think it'll be good. We just, this first week we are working out things with, adding and dropping classes and working out the kinks whatnot. Yeah. Um, also I would like to say thank you to everyone. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily know as many people as Colton probably does who at least follow our page or keep up with the show, but it does truly mean a lot to us. Um, we main, we're just doing this for fun. Um, you know, it's always fun to talk shop with one of your best friends. And obviously he and I are extremely passionate about college football and the sport. So, um, the fact that y'all actually decide to listen to our conversations like this, it means a lot. So we thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I think that will just about do it for today's show. Is there anything else you want to add before we sign off, Colson? I think you said it all. All right. Sounds good. Well, once again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, this has been Trouble with the Snap, and we will see you in our next episode. Thank you all. Thank you.